You're listening to the Monday Christian Podcast, the program that helps you put into action the truth of God's Word that you hear on Sunday to your everyday life on Monday. And now, here is your host, Ezra Beyer. Well, hey there. Welcome to the Monday Christian Podcast again. Great to have you listening. By the way, if you listen to us on Spotify or iTunes, especially if you listen to us on iTunes, click on the Monday Christian and then scroll to the bottom, leave us a five-star review. And I know every podcast always asks you to do that, but it really does help. helps get the word out. And uh, yeah, that'd just be a very beneficial thing for us if you could do that. Well, Elliot, here we go again. That's right. This is round four, five. <laughs> it's counting up. <laughs> One of the things, <laughs> we just stopped this recording and had to reshoot it because <laughs> as David found out the hard way. And then when I record with my wife, Janan, I love hard transitions. And so yeah. I'll just be yeah. talking and then I'll stop and then I'll just throw it to you. And I should uh, have had a, I should have had a sit down <laughs> seminar with David on podcasting with Ezra. <laughs> no, it's been great, man. Love to keep everyone on their toes. Yeah, no, it's been great. I've loved it. Well, got my friend, uh, Maswega Tessie on the podcast today. Swega, I worked with him for uh, maybe eight months, and he wrote a fantastic book called The Versatile Leader. And uh, so he's the co-founder and executive director of Integrated Solutions Angola. If you look him up, you Google him, um, the guy's just done some amazing things and uh, just been at so many different high levels of leadership and just uh, and, and is, has such a fascinating perspective. Because Elliot, one of the things, I mean, I love it, but we bring on a lot of American Canadian authors on, but it's great to bring on people from a global perspective because they just add a unique spin on things and it helps you think from a different perspective. Yeah, of course. You've, you've obviously got the, you know, Eastern versus Western type, uh, you know, influence and there could be a debate there for who, who's wiser, the East, Eastern hemisphere, Western hemisphere, but it's, it's, uh, it's great to get a perspective and stretch outside of your your your, your box, especially. Um, yeah, it just makes you think. Because he, he talks about leadership and some of the common definitions that right. we give of leadership, and he challenges that in this conversation yeah. and yeah. says, hey, not so fast. Maybe we need to rethink it. So Rethink, yeah. Bias is out the window. That's right. Well, with that said, let's go ahead and get into this conversation with Ms. Swega Tessie. And as you'll hear in this conversation, he prefers just to be called Tessie, and so... That's what we call them. So let's get into that conversation right now. Thank you so much for joining the Monday Christian Podcast today. It's great to have you on. Thanks, Ezra Elliot, for having me. Well, I think, I, I can say with good confidence, you're the first person that we've had on from Angola. So thank you for joining us today. And, and uh, it's a privilege to speak to someone around the world and not just in America or Canada. Oh, that's great. It's a good feeling here, too. Well, you we had a little bit of connections where, so your kids actually went to school out in, was it uh, British Columbia, I believe. Is that right? One of your daughters? Yes, my daughter, uh, first daughter graduated from uh, Trinity Western University, and the second mm-hmm. one is also attending the same university. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's fascinating. So, yeah, no, it's, it, we, we first connected. It's been about... Oh, probably eight, nine months ago, somewhere. Well, even longer than that, I guess, probably about yeah, a year ago. It's been more than a year, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you wrote a wonderful book, The Versatile Leader, 
which I just found out that I got the copy before you did, which does not seem right. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, I don't have a copy here. It's the new shipped. So uh, well, great. It's, it's in route. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, but for those that don't know you, how did you first come to faith in Christ? What did your early spiritual journey look like? Um, that's very interesting. You know, I grew up in a Christian community. Um, I wouldn't say my parents were really Christian. My dad used to pray once in a while. Um, but it was normal for us kids to go to church. And um, at early age, I think about 10 or so, I started attending what they call cat kissing. And uh, at the point of baptism, I pulled back because I saw a lot of hypocrisy. And uh, I said, no, I don't want to be a hypocrite. You know, being a Christian basically means being a hypocrite. That was my own conclusion. And then I basically, you know, didn't um, bother about that at all. Even though I attended Christian schools, <laughs> mission schools, I was out to prove to everyone that, you know, Christianity was basically hypocrisy. <laughs> and I lived that way for many, many years um, until um, in my early 20s, when I came out of the university. So you can imagine how many years I lived uh, that way. And then um, I found myself in a situation where I became a hypocrite myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I went to um, the northern part of Nigeria uh, to do um, national service. And when I got there, uh, I started, for some reason, I started attending a church and the pastor saw that I could at least read and write. I understood the Bible well. And um, he asked me to start teaching. I didn't want to do that. But, you know, after he put a lot of pressure on me, uh, I decided to give it a trial run. And then he said, OK, from now on, you continue teaching Bible study and, you know, <laughs> Then I became a hypocrite <laughs> that I've been criticizing people all my life. And, you know, in the midst of that, you know, it went on for several months and I didn't have peace at all. Um, so eventually um, I had one more experience. I had a dream that made me to be afraid of the safety of my family. And I, I, I told the pastor about it and uh, he said, oh, why don't you fast and pray? I didn't even know what fasting was. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I've been in the church, <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> so he explained to me, you don't eat, you take time to pray. So you I thought that. that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I did that for three days. And hmm. a few weeks later, uh, in those days, there were no, no phones in that part of, uh, telephones in that part of uh, Nigeria. So three, I mean, about three weeks later, I received a letter from my elder sister that our elder brother had an accident. You know, he had a kind of collision in a, in a cross, on a crossroad. He was on a motorbike and collided with an oncoming car. And everyone who went there was very surprised how he survived it. And nothing happened to him except a small scratch on his finger. Mm. Really? So I can pray and things will change. I said, well, if Christianity is this way, then I really want to be one. Mm -hmm. And that's how I became a Christian. And I've never looked back uh, since then. So backing up there a second, it was, so you, you sensed the need to pray because you have this dream that something terrible is going to happen to your family. 
Yeah. And so you pray and you fast for three days. I mean, what are you doing do, during those three days? How, how are you praying during that time? Well, I was simply just praying for the safety of my family. Hmm. And that then you get that, and then you get that news, exactly. And it makes sense, exactly. And it was yeah. very clear to me that why my brother didn't die was because of the prayers hmm. that I made. God heard and answered my prayers. So wow. for me, that was a very powerful evidence. Answered prayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. We've we've. Uh, I've interacted with numbers of different, you know, Christians from different African nations, and they would uh, oftentimes dreams and visions are, I would say, a lot more prominent than a lot of times uh, stories of f people that come to faith in America or Canada. Well, why do you think that is? Well, I think maybe because you sleep too much. <laughs> 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 but seriously speaking, I think everywhere people have dreams. It's, it's just that, oh, it's just a dream. You know, people don't take it serious. But yeah. if you're paying attention to our dreams, then you will see that God still speaks to us in dreams. Mm. Interesting. Everywhere, not just one part of the world, everywhere, God still speaks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tessie, do you think that there's a, a level of, we've talked about this before, as there like expectation? going into your prayer time uh, to God, that is a part of that faith that I believe God will either provide or I don't know why I'm praying, but I trust that, you know, God can actually keep my family safe. Um, how much of that expectation have you had to keep or hold? Or do you think that plays a big part in in praying or in fasting for, for something like that supernatural to happen? Okay. Uh, I wasn't so sure if anything would change. But, mm -hmm. I mean, if that was the only thing I could do, I didn't know what to do. And the pastor said, fast and pray. So I said, okay, why not? Maybe mm -hmm. it could change the situation. I was like people of Nineveh who were not even sure what, mm -hmm. <laughs> whether the situation would change. It was a maybe thing. Mm -hmm. But when the outcome came, you know, it was clear that it has something to do with the prayer. Wow. Since that point, have you ever gone through a period of your life where you wondered, uh, does God exist? You know, or did that just forever settle the question for you? You know, interestingly, even before that moment, um, growing up, it was very clear to me about the existence of God. The question was, can a human being actually meet the requirement of God? Hmm. That was the problem I had. And since it was not possible to live according to what God required, then there was no point even trying. That was my argument. Mm. So, so how, I never really doubted the existence of God. And so essentially, okay, God's up there, and mm -hmm. but there's nothing that we can do to, to really please him. And so as a result, why try? Exactly. That yeah. was my point. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I used to say it very clearly to my friends and, you know, classmates. And I would come in front of the class and tell everybody, you know, you know, you're wasting your time. You can't even live this life you're trying to. So why bother? Just I mean, be like me, you know. Yeah. Don't be a hypocrite. Hmm. <laughs> well, that's where I was going to go. I mean, Elliot, I'm sure you've seen this numbers of times with whether it's younger college students or university students, right? One of the reasons we often struggle to believe in, or, or like believe in, maybe go to church, we'll use that language, right? Is because there's too many hypocrites there, 
right? There's too right. many hypocrites. And then we wonder, ah, oh, you know, that's just, they have their opinion and then they're doing this one day and then there's doing this the next. Right. Um, right. Tessie, what would you say to someone like that, where that's been a big hang up for them, where they believe in God, but they don't really want to be part of a church or a Christian community mm. because they've seen so many hypocrites in their lives? Yeah, I mean, I have been on that journey, so I can speak very confidently about it, you know. Uh, the first thing, I, I analogy I always like to uh, give to people is that, you know, if you pick the U.S. dollar B, you know, the, the money, you know, there are lots of fake dollars out there. But it doesn't stop people from using money. Yeah. So why should someone else's bad behavior stop me from going for someone or something that I know is real. I think we give too much attention to what other people do wrong hmm. rather than, you know, the, a lot of good examples are there. By the way, going back to my story, after I have made my decision to follow Christ uh, wholeheartedly, when I look back, and I saw there were a lot of very good examples. My elder sister who wrote to me was a believer before me. And I trusted her. She was not a hypocrite. I had an uncle who also was not a hypocrite. And there were lots of people I could name. But I was so focused on the failings of other people that have failed to see mm. those who really were living genuine Christian lives. And yeah. that is what made me, you know, get lost. So, I, I mean, it made me to lose my way. So I think when we are talking about hypocrites in the church, we should also look at those who are not hypocrites who are in the church, mm. who are following Christianity the way it's supposed to be. How, how would you recommend being able to um, approach hypocrisy um, if it comes from large scale. Like here, here in the West, I think we're struggling a lot with uh, churches um, being criticized for their hypocrisy, right? And there's, you know, there's, there's shows being made, there's movies and films being produced that are calling out some church hypocrisy. Do you think, do you see any good in that? Do, do you think that it's good to call out maybe hypocrisy that might even come from leaders, right? Um, what's your thoughts on that? Well, for me, I, I mean, after going through my own journey, you know, everyone is on their own journey. Hmm. And if we pay too much attention to the failings of others, we may actually not be doing ourselves any good. Um, we should be seeing, I mean, where am I? on my Christian journey or, I mean, what good examples are out there that's good. for me to emulate? I think that's what we should be looking at. You know, we've all heard that illustration, I think, you know, of a piece of paper, right? You hold a piece of paper up and then you just draw a little dot on it. What do you focus on? You focus on the dot and not the rest of the piece of paper, right? Because that's exactly. just where you tend to... And it is. That's exactly what you're saying. With hypocrites, there might be one or two in the church. That in our particular church, right? But man, you know, I, and I would say from a spiritual perspective, the enemy of our soul, Satan, mm -hmm. would have us, that would be one of the ways he would distract us, is to focus mm -hmm. on them, and then that, that makes it hard. Mm -hmm. 
I, I want to get to your book, uh, The Versatile Leader. Here's an easy question. I guess just start right out of the gate with this. Um, why write this book? Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, <laughs> um, I've been trying to write the book for 20 years before I finally wrote it. You know, so I, it was back in 1997, or maybe I should go back uh, to my childhood. Um, my dad you know, was a kind of leader in the village. And um, what, when adults uh, would come around, normally they would send children away, but my dad had a special way of, you know, sending us away. He would ask us to stay nearby and actually listen to what adults were talking about. And later on, we would do a kind of debriefing. So just one uh, word of clarification there, Tessie, would, would he be the equivalent of like the mayor of the community? Essentially, was was that? Uh, maybe smaller than that. <laughs> so how, how many people? <laughs> would... I mean, I don't know uh, uh, how to describe, but, you know, I, is there any level lower than mayor? <laughs> assistant mayor <laughs> yeah, anyway, so. <laughs> would it be like no i'm like the, i'm trying to get a sense for the community would it be dozens of people hundreds of people um yeah about hundreds of hundreds of people maybe yeah. 100 200 people yeah, yeah and they, they like would look to him as their leader yeah exactly yeah. yeah um so um yeah and they were always having meetings always having meetings and he would make sure that we stay around and listen to whatever they were talking about. And later on, we have to give a report of what we had and then, even though we were playing. Um, and he would say, listen while you play. And that has become a very powerful philosophy <laughs> for me in life. Um, whatever I'm doing, somehow I'm listening to what is happening around me. Um, so, yes, I focus on my job at hand, my career, whatever, but I pay attention to what is happening, you know, around me. So, um, fast forward to 1997, you know, I got married and then I got promoted um, in my job as well, first kind of leadership position um, to lead a small team of about 14 engineers. And I was having issues with both and um, had a mentor, his name is uh, Dominic Ichaba. And first he started helping me on, on marriage. And then um, when I started having issues in my work, he now sat me down and explained to me what leadership was all about. And it was on a piece of paper and he just wrote three words. You know, a leader is a steward, is a servant, is a shepherd. And that really blew me away. And um, I mean, it didn't last so long, but then I started digging deep into the whole thing. Uh, that is how my journey started. And uh, I started learning a lot and sharing with others. By the way, Tessie means teach. So somehow oh, I found myself teaching people what I learned. Yeah. And I uh, started doing that for years and digging deep into the whole thing of metaphors and... Um, then about 20 years ago, I really wanted to write a book, but somehow we start and not go very far. Fortunately, you know, last year um, was able to put it down. Um, so my idea is very simple. If I learn something, if I manage to understand something, I believe that 
everyone else should be able to understand it. It should be so simple. And I come to consider leadership so important that it shouldn't be complicated. Mm. Anyone should be able to understand leadership. It's not something that should be like a specialization. It should be an appliance. Mm. <laughs> Let's speak technology here, you know, something that anyone should have and use, not requiring a lot of, you know, studying. And that is my objective. So the whole purpose of writing the versatile leader is to make it easy for anyone in any kind of situation to have leadership skills that could lead in that situation well. That's my idea. Give our listeners a sense for the different positions you've led. So going back to the late 90s to today, where, where, you know, what positions have you, key positions have you been in where you've had the opportunity to put these leadership principles into practice? Okay, so I started out as a supervisor of engineers, you know, some IT kind of position. And then I worked as a project manager as well. I um, also have done kind of uh, volunteer work in the church. Um, leading. I mean, our church for many years didn't have a full-time pastor. So um, being responsible, being the chairperson of the elders council automatically makes you more like the pastor of the church. And mm. I know being a pastor is not my calling at all, um, but <laughs> I had to lead a team, you know, take care of the church in the absence of the pastor. And um also, being an entrepreneur, I think for 18 years now, I started a company, not just one, but a number of companies, and uh, I've been leading that and also helping other entrepreneurs start their own businesses as well. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned, you mentioned Steve Kaplan in your book, and you talk about the, imp in the impact that he had on your life and your... Yeah. Definition of, definition of leadership. And we yeah, have, Robert. yeah, oh, sorry, Robert Kaplan. Um, we have a number of definitions that float around. Sometimes a common one I hear is leadership is influence, right? Um, how would you define leadership? Very interesting. I mean, I was on that for many years, you know, because I wanted to be able to define leadership. And then I would take this definition and as I kept listening around or observing, then it wouldn't match. Like leadership is influence. I look at that, I heard I held on to that for a number of years, but then it didn't work for me. I look at people where you know you know that maybe the advice you're giving them will work for them, but they wouldn't listen to you no matter what you tell them. So I came to understand that oh, if leadership is influence, then do we really have control over influence? That made me to go deeper to study influence, how it came about. And I realized that if leadership is influence, then no one can actually lead. Hmm. I came to that conclusion. Hmm. And then I dropped that definition. Then I pick others, you know, drop them. You know, I got to a point where I say, you know, leadership is like beauty, you know. When you see it, you know it, but you cannot define it. That is what was the conclusion at some point until 2013 when I met um, um, Professor uh, Robert Kaplan at Harvard Business School. So he simply defined leadership as um, 
the uh, ability, uh, let me get a right definition so that I don't, um, yeah. So, say leadership is figuring out your beliefs and having the guts and ability to act on them in such a way that it adds value to others. Mm. And that definition for me, you know, captures everything. Yeah. Man, when he finished defining it, say with this, you don't need to have followers. And I was really blown away with that. And he started explaining about beliefs, acting on them, adding value to others. And I spent time searching and searching and put that to test and to scrutiny. And each time I think about it, and it's been how many years now? 10 years. Still, you know, the definition is still very true for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Well, Elliot, what are you thinking? Have you read much on leadership? Is leadership in your wheelhouse much at all? Or, or what, what are you thinking as you lesson? Yeah. Um, yeah, I had to read a lot of leadership books uh, in college. I went to a small Bible college, Tessie. And so I, I had to read, you know, J names like John Maxwell. He wrote a book on leadership, you know, Christian leadership. And it was a great book. Um, but I, I like I like what you're touching on as far as uh, defining it as maybe and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but adding value is kind of like the, the end goal. Is that kind of what exactly. you were saying? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, Having a belief, acting yeah. on it and adding value to others. Yeah. That's very interesting because I there's there's this conflict, especially in Christian leadership, or at least Christian leadership, I think, really is a contrast to um, sometimes to your, you know, maybe stereotypical uh, uh, everyday uh, American dream uh, businessman mindset. Sometimes I think it, it, it's a contrast because I, the, the term servant leadership became this like humble, like we're actually not just trying to rule people. We're trying to actually, what you said, add value to their life. And mm -hmm. so I don't know, you know, like there's, there's sometimes this conflict with culture um, where everyone wants to get influence and they may, you know, they want to go viral and that's their view of maybe leadership. And, uh, but, but I, I found it very interesting the concept of what you're talking about, adding value to other people's lives. And I think that comes from servant leadership. Maybe you have some more thoughts there, but I would say that is the key um, to real leadership. Uh, and, and maybe you have more thoughts there, but that's what I'm thinking, uh, especially comparing it to what I see in culture. But yeah, I mean, again, right all kinds of perspectives on leadership. Um, I mean, the servant leadership is really a good model. It made a lot of sense to me. And the reason why I expanded from that model was actually in my office, I had a management team and I presented to them, you know, a leader is a servant, is a shepherd, is a steward. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, what is that? Because these guys were not Christians. They didn't understand the servant thing, you know, and looks like, and I try to explain to them what it means. And that sent me back to the drawing board because these are basically metaphors 
So if you have to explain a metaphor before you explain what you're trying to use a metaphor to explain, then everything gets lost. So yeah. I went back reading the Bible, praying and searching. When Jesus said, I'm a shepherd, what did he really mean? Did he have some sheep? But he grew up as a carpenter. So um, as I was searching, basically it was a metaphor. Hmm. And being a servant is a metaphor. So, and I saw something common. This is basically occupations or professions that were used as metaphors. And then when I searched the Bible, I found a lot of them. You know, Paul talk about, you know, a, a soldier, um, talk about, an, um, you know, an athlete. And uh, Jeremiah talk about uh, a porter and all these um, these uh, occupations are in the Bible that, that were used as metaphors. And I said, okay, are there some around that we can use to explain leadership? And then I say, okay, I, I took a few of them and every single one of them, I could pick up leadership lessons. Hmm. Wow, this is very interesting. And that is how the whole idea came together. In your book, you have 12 different metaphors that you use. So I'll read through them real quickly here. Physician, architect, builder, engineer, entrepreneur, journalist, coach, parent, uh, judge, pilot, soldier, and diplomat. So you have those 12 different different uh, ways. Why did you land on those 12? And how did you... Um, how, how did the... You know, looking at different leadership through different lenses, how does that develop a, um, a fuller picture of what a leader really is? Okay, well, again, this got developed over a long period of time and I've been learning. Again, the focus for me had been, how do I simplify you know, the leadership principles in a way that um, anyone could understand? Um, again, I, I love John, John Maxwell as well. And I have, I mean, I've read practically all his books. The, the 21 law, um, Irrefutable laws of leadership. You know, I love that book a lot, and I read it many, many times. But the problem I had was that when I had a problem, which law should I apply? I yeah, mean, right, right. So that was the problem I had. So yeah. I was looking for a way to simplify this thing so that when I have a problem, I will remember, you know, what I have learned to apply. And so, um, basically, the way I came to understand. Leadership, you will have basically two types of issues or two types of situations. One would be a strategy, something to do with strategy, when you want to plan or look at long-term effect of your leadership. Then the other one is, you know, on the operational side, that is tactics. So it's not so difficult to distinguish between these two. Tactics is something that happens on a day-to-day -day basis. Strategy, you know, is something that is not on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, when I divided it that way, then on strategy, what metaphors can help? Uh, look at the physician as a way of making a diagnostic, uh, diagnostics and basically finding out what is going on uh, in the organization when you are making a plan. And then it depends on the situation of the organization. If it's a new one, you use the architect to design 
you know, the whole thing, have a, a blueprint. And if the organization already exists and have, um, I mean, it's in a stage where you need to grow it, then you need to be the builder. And then if it's having significant problems, you need to be an engineer to fix it. And at all times, you need to be an entrepreneur. And these five metaphors basically cover strategy. And then on a tactical level, then I divide it into two. You have the uh, internal tactics, tactical situations, or um, the external uh, situations. So the internal ones usually is about training your team, caring for you know the uh, emotional issues, and um, also fairness. You know if there are issues that you need to make decision or ethical issues. Then for that, I use basically three metaphors, which is uh, coach, uh, parent, father or mother, and judge. And that covers those kind of situations. And then if you're facing an excellent situation, tactical situation, then you need a pilot if it's an emergency. You need um, to be a soldier. It is something that requires you to you know, take a bold decision. And then finally, uh, if it's a sensitive situation, you need to be a diplomat. Uh, so this is basically how it is divided. And um, by the way, on the tactical level, you, before you do any of this, you need to find out what is going on. I need to be a journalist to be able to do that. So this is how these metaphors are designed. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that one of the reasons that, you know, when you look at the teachings of Jesus and all throughout scripture, as you alluded to earlier, the power of metaphor, right? Because it speaks to a different demographic of people that they're listening to these words and they say, oh, okay, now that suddenly connects. And I think one of the problems sometimes we have in the church is we only speak through one lens. And this is, I think, points to the value of spiritual gifts. Um, it points to the value of having whether it's multiple speakers on a stage or multiple people contributing uh, to what's going on in a service, what's happening in community, small groups, and so forth, because you get that fuller perspective, right? And yeah. uh, so, so when you, I'm curious, how does this work out for you practically? You're leading an organization. Someone comes to you and they say, "Okay, Tessie, I have a problem," and here's my problem, right? I'm, you know, maybe I'm starting a business. And now this has gone wrong, right? And this, how do you work them to these different metaphors? How do you know, okay, how do you identify, okay, this is where you're at and this is where you, how you need to think through the lens of a journalist or a builder or so forth? Well, first in the book, I have, um, there's a chapter called the S-curve, which basically map, maps out the, uh, the different stages of an organization could be the business life cycle. Yeah. So um, if someone comes with an issue, we need to basically do some do what doctors do, right? Make some quick checkup and see. Um, you know, have they already started the business? These are questions that are easy to answer. You know, is it running? Is it running with some issues? And um, so, based on that, you know the stage where it is. And therefore, strategically, that is easy. If someone is just starting or have an idea and they want to start a company, then really, I mean, whatever issues they have, they need to simply define what they want to do. They need to 
put the vision down, write it down so that um, they will use it to run. Or if it's already existing, then you know if it is a startup or it is growing or it is a mature company or it's in decline, you know, the stage we determine what kind of metaphor to use. Hmm. And real quickly, those, those, well, five stages, but you start at stage zero, the preparation yeah. stage, which is even exactly. before the startup. And then stage one is the startup. Stage two is the growth stage. Uh, stage three is the maturity. And then stage four is the decline stage. And so yeah. you're saying, okay, someone comes to you, then you identify, okay, this is where you're at on that S curve, mm -hmm. right? You're either about to start or you're on your way up or you're on your way down kind of thing. Um, and then based on that, then I can identify, okay, this is the metaphor that I can use for your situation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, that, that that's helpful. I mean, what's you've led in the church, you've led in businesses. What's What can each learn from, from each other? I'm thinking of Christian business leaders that are, listening to this, what, you know, what have you learned from stepping foot in both worlds, so to speak? Well, for me, again, uh, the name of my company is called Integrated Solutions. And um, generally my life is integrated. You know, when first I came up with this idea, uh, with these metaphors, it was in the work environment. And the first group after I put the entire thing together, the first group I taught were youth in my church. So I don't see any conflict because, you know, this is, it should be portable. Take the teachings of Jesus. You could use them anywhere. You know, it's not just in the church. You can use them on Sunday and on Monday yeah. <laughs> as well. So, you know, there's really no difference. I see what you so, did there, yeah. <laughs> very portable, portable skis. Yeah. And so really... Again, you can use it in the family as well. So wherever you are at or whatever you're doing, you know, I don't really see a big difference because in the end, you need to have some kind of framework in making decisions. And I've, I see it work everywhere, whether in the church, in, um, in the community, you know, we're interacting with others or in my business. Do something. Elliot, it's, it's interesting as we're listening here that, it's kind of the whole, it gets to the heart of what the Christian life is really all about, the integrated nature of it. Um, because that's, again, that's one of the reasons I started the Monday Christian podcast is because you have a lot of people that they have Sunday belief, but that they don't put it into action throughout mm -hmm. the week. And so as a result, you have people that show up at their churches on Sunday and then Tuesday or, you know, Wednesday, you know, whatever, they, they live very different lives. I mean, I'm sure each of us, well, we talked about hypocrites earlier. That's how you get a hypocrite, right? Where yep. one person's one way in one context, another way in another. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I was talking with a friend about this the other day when they were talking about leadership decisions that sometimes people will make. And that in a church boardroom setting, they would make different decisions. But then they get into the world of maybe they're in the world of politics where it gets a little bit messy. And, you know, and so they fight differently. And they, you know, and then they get in the world of business where it's maybe a little ruthless. And so, and, and they become kind of like these chameleons, right? They adapt to their different settings. Mm. And um, how do you, and Tessie, how do you avoid that? Because I think as Christians that it's so easy to just fit into our settings and not really model consistent leadership that we would apply to every area of our lives. 
Yeah, I mean, it's good that you talk about the chameleon because I use that example in my, in my book as well. Um, but, you know, adapting, chameleon is a natural animal, by the way. So its adaptation is, is um, very authentic. But when people start adapting in the wrong way, being one thing here and being another thing in a different setting, you know, simply manipulation. Not, that's not a genuine adaptation. Um, so for, for me, is simply to know who Jesus is to us. The Bible is right. very clear. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end, the Lord of Lords. So he's everywhere. He's interested in everything that affects all of life, not just one area of our lives. And for me, that is important. Yeah. I wanted to add here, Tessie, I think one thing I really appreciated about your book is how you do point out the uh, examples of leadership that, you know, Jesus would have used or other um, people in scripture. And I think Jesus is obviously a great example, as we've mentioned. Uh, if, if you, I think one thing you mentioned is picking, choosing his disciples, right? Mm -hmm. Choosing which ones were going to take a certain role who, you know, Peter as described as, as someone who has a strong personality. Um, I'm sure he's a great example of taking uh, people with all of their talents uh, personalities and training them to apply what you're talking about, not uh, maybe changing their personality for someone or for something, but being who they are and who they're called to be. Exactly. Um, I think that's that's really key, and even how Jesus called his disciples. And maybe you agree there. Yes, I agree. Again, we go to the met metaphor of the coach. You know, the first thing a, a coach does is to select the team. Mm -hmm. So you decide whom you need to select to be part of your team to achieve the goal you want to achieve. And I think Jesus did that well. By, you know, he took a lot of time to pray before he selected mm -hmm. his team. And sometimes we're just hiring people and we're not even praying about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're going to wrap up here. Are you familiar with Gary Chapman's The Five Love Languages? familiar with that book i've, I've seen that i haven't he, I so in, in the book he, he writes about five different love languages i think it's words of affirmation quality time acts of service physical touch and uh, receiving gifts i think that's the five and basically he, he talks especially in the context of a marriage relationship right where we need to his primary point is everyone has a primary love language the way that they love and then so they, they, maybe it's receiving gifts or maybe it's quality time or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. But they need to also, for their partner or their spouse, they need to love them the way they want to or need to be loved in the way mm -hmm. love is most important to them. And I, mm -hmm. as I think about your book here, I think that's one of the keys is that as, as you lead people, it's often easy to have a cookie cutter approach where you just lead people and you say, okay, well, here's my model. If you fit, great. But what I love about your model is I think it it calls into consideration uh, Jesus' words in Philippians 2, where he comes down in the form of a servant, right? And mm -hmm. he takes on that humanity and he reaches people where they're at. And so I love that perspective because it's not just saying, okay, come up here to my level and yeah, you know, if you fit my structure, great. It's saying, no, I'm going to adapt the way I, that I lead to actually impact you where you're at. And so... That, that's one of the reasons I think that this message that you share 
is so impactful. So we're, we're going to wrap up here, but any last words? Uh, give us a closing challenge maybe for leaders that are out there, maybe a leader that's struggling um, to lead well. Maybe they have some team issues. Uh, what would be your closing words of challenge to them? Well, um, for me, I think leadership is not complicated. When you read the Bible and read the teachings of Jesus, so we have a tendency of overcomplicating a lot of things. We should keep it simple, the way Jesus did. And we find out that many of the misunderstanding of leadership will go away. And that's my you know, final message. And of course, I will advise people to read my book because it is simple enough. That's right. <laughs> it's, uh, we'll have it linked in the show notes below so people can go there, click on Amazon and pick up Tessie's book. And uh, so Tessie, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Well, that was a great conversation with Tessie and Elliot. A little bit of a change of pace from the different authors we've brought on over the last few weeks. For sure. I really enjoyed this topic. Um, as I mentioned, I've read a lot of books about leadership, so it was great to have a conversation about it. Um, last night, I actually watched a movie uh, called Jesus Revolution. I don't know. Have you seen it, Ezra? Yep. Uh, so Greg Laurie, big big guy right. there. Lonnie Frisbee, another big name. The right. Rise of Calvary Chapel, which exactly. is very prominent, I would say, in our area of Idaho. And okay. of course, came out of really? California, all that. So. So I don't I don't know much about it. I mean, I had heard about the movement, but to watch the film and then just to do a little bit of research on my own, you know, I, I could see the struggles of leadership, even Christian leadership. Right. And and trying to you see uh, the tension if, there. Yeah, exactly. And having a movement like that, while it being so powerful, I think even Tessie talks a lot in this episode about how to be a good leader, even in a movement like that or in the workspace or in church, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it, it, what, the biggest takeaway I get from him goes back to what I said earlier, having those different, uh, different filters to the way you lead. So that I would say the big problem when I work with business owners and um, maybe it's on a writing project and I have hesitations with them, it, it's that they want to conform everyone to their mindset of, of leadership. But a great leader, I would say, they definitely know where they want to go, right? So there's not ambiguity there, but they they meet people where they're at as well. There's that tension to be managed, so we say, right? And so you right. have that that give and take, and it's the kind of my way or the highway approach. Um, and then there's also <laughs> the, the, the flip side of it where you just, everyone leads, right? And then yeah. nothing ever gets done. But this type of leadership, I would say, Tessie's talking about, it, it it's very intentional, but it mm -hmm. also goes to where people are at. Exactly. I, I loved what he said about value um, because I've heard a lot of definitions of leadership that take on that role of, you know, you leadership is to influence or to even influence the influencer. Like that's the definitions I've heard. But I think one thing that he mentioned is, it's a lot more of actually adding value to people's lives wherever they are, wherever uh, they might be. So I think that's that's one thing I really appreciated too. Well, and a good thing if you're listening to this, I mean, if you're a leadership junkie and you read every book there is on leadership, um, I mean, 
couple common ones that often get thrown around, stuff like Jim Collins, Good to Great, Simon Sinek, right? Uh, you know, of course, John Maxwell gets thrown around among Christian leaders. It's good to have people that bring differences of opinion and, and thought. So Tessie really does that in this book. I uh, hope you'll check it out. You'll give it a read. Uh, that's all for this week. Have a great week, everyone. We'll talk to you all again soon. Thank you for listening to the Monday Christian Podcast. To support our vision and find new ways to put your faith into action throughout the week, visit themondaychristian.com. That's themondaychristian.com.